0: The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit Sam Sells Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here on this uh, cool mid-December evening. Eric, are you feeling peachy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on a second here. I'm sorry. I was checking out some, uh, you know, some kind of what the houses were costing in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, my bad. No, Oh, My oh, bad. No, no. We're good. We're good. We're good. That's I where I, I'm not focused at all in Nebraska. Not at all.
0: You know, if you move to Nebraska, <laughs> you're going to get hit harder with state taxes than you would here in Orlando. I'm just telling Listen,
1: you. Listen, if, if I get paid twice as much to move there, I I, I I could deal with it. All right? Let's just go with
0: it. All right. Well, it, yeah, that's capitalism, right? So uh, we are uh, diving in. This is our uh, – we're recording this uh, Thursday night, December 14th. Sorry for doing this a day later than we usually do because I was under the weather. You can probably still hear it. It's still a little sick. No,
1: right? no. The truth – here's the truth. The truth was unannounced. Jeff moved my office, moved all my stuff away from my office without me knowing, and so we had to get all my stuff back, and so we had to push it back a day.
0: And so you're jet-setting back and forth between your you know, your old office <laughs> and your new office. Uh, we are. Uh, you can uh, follow us, as, as always, on blackandgoldbanneret.com, and we are brought to you by uh, the Sam Unger real estate team. Thanks again to Sam uh, and his team for their support of the podcast uh you can hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest leading up to uh the 20 se- the 2018, excuse me, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Uh as well we'll be covering that. We got this is what that's what we're covering today is we're going to be previewing the Peach Bowl. We're going to be checking in on uh, some other sports as well. Uh we've got uh you can hit us up at facebook.com/blackandgoldbanneret. Our Facebook page has been getting a little bit more traffic. Make sure you give us a like. Follow us there, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon, and follow Eric at Eric Lopez ELO. Subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Let's dive right in. Um, so you know, all the coaching stuff that went on last week. We, I mean, we had two emergency podcasts. <clears throat> and uh you know you know one for obviously the, the American Athletic Conference championship nice finishing 12 and 0 and Scott Frost leaving the other one for the hiring of Josh Heupel and here we are in the midst of a coaching transition and we are going to play a football game new year's day we have not previewed this game yet and this will be our preview show uh you see well we'll probably preview the game one more time before the game but uh we're playing auburn uh, in the uh, in the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl at New Year's Day, twelve thirty kick, Mercedes Benz Stadium, no longer at the Georgia Dome because they blew that up. Uh, if you didn't see it, it's because the MARTA bus got in the way. <laughs> did you see that by the way? I did. Uh, that's talk about timing, huh? What I a remember. Yeah, I remember when I remember watching the first game in the Georgia Dome, the first NFL football game in the Georgia Dome. It was week one of the ninety-two NFL season, and it was the Jets at the Falcons and, um, <clears throat> and it was, uh, and the jets were all thrilled because their, uh, their, their new starting quarterback taking o- taking over for the veteran, Ken O'Brien, who decided to move on from the jets that year, uh, was, um, uh, th- their, their, quarterback of the future was Browning Nagel. Oh,
1: that's right. <laughs> and, Nagle. um,
0: and that did not go well. Um, but, uh, but, but, Now they open up this new stadium here, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right next door. Lots of UCF stuff going on. Lots of news coming off of this. A couple things I wanted to get out first. UCF has sold out its ticket allotment. 12,500 tickets sold out. So how about that effort by the UCF fans? And uh, look at what happens when you send UCF to a bowl game that's relatively nearby, right?
1: So I guess people are not upset now about the rankings anymore. They're, they're good. We're good. I mean Oh no, we're of, course we're we are. Excited.
0: of course we are. Of oh, course we are. Okay, cause and we're all going to be there to tell everybody about it.
1: Okay. Um yeah, look, obviously Atlanta makes a lot of sense. It's drivable for a lot of people, it's travelable, and I think there were a lot of people honestly that missed the Fiesta Bowl that are going to, you know, take this opportunity and go to the game in Atlanta. So it makes a lot I'm not surprised. Uh you know, it certainly I think the, the location you mentioned and the fact you're playing an SEC school uh, all kind of really point to plus the momentum from the season. I mean, obviously going undefeated with the you know the last two games being so dramatic. Uh, yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. And, and bowl games, usually you get bandwagon people to jump in as a, at the same time. I guarantee you there are people that bought tickets to this bowl game that haven't been to a game in a couple of years. So it's a combination of a lot of things. But, uh, yeah, I mean – if you're the Peach Bowl, right? I mean, they, they're happy. They don't. They're, they're thrilled. I mean, that's a, it's a good start, and
0: but not a surprise, right? Well, they're playing against an Auburn team that comes in ten and three. They lost the SEC championship game to a Georgia team that they had clobbered earlier in the year, um, uh, and so Auburn gets left out of the college football playoff. There was a belief that they would be in the college football playoff had they beaten Georgia. Uh, but they lose twenty-eight to seven, so they're coming off a loss in that very stadium in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, there are three losses to the on the year, by the way. Um, obviously, that that second Georgia game, they lost on September the ninth to then number three Clemson, who did make the playoff, fourteen to six, and then they lost to LSU, then unranked twenty-seven uh, to twenty-three. Auburn's been in the top twenty-five all year, fell down to twenty-one. Fought their way up to four and are now seventh. UCF comes into the uh, comes into the game ranked uh, was it twelfth, I think, in the college football. Uh, sure. Yeah. So basically, hovering around ten. Um, but hey, it's Gus Malzahn. It's Auburn. Um, this is a good football team. I don't think anybody should be sleeping on them from the UCF side of things. Um, let's take a look at this matchup here, Eric Lopez. What was your first impression when you heard that UCF would be playing Auburn, as opposed to some of the other squads that had been bandied about? You know, I think Wisconsin was thrown around a little bit and all that. Uh, What was your impression? What was your initial impression when uh, you saw UCF be playing Auburn?
1: Not a surprise. Uh, I felt, especially because I felt Alabama was going to get into the playoff because, you know, you can't have a, you know, you can't have a college football playoff without Alabama, apparently. So, you know, God forbid. So, going under that assumption, I had a feeling that the UCF was probably going to play the loser of the Georgia Auburn game in the SEC championship game. And what's very interesting about Auburn is they're two and one against the teams that are in the playoff. Uh, yeah. They beat Alabama. They split with Georgia. Lost to Clemson, as you mentioned. Um, and yet they're sitting home. Um, and, and and maybe and it, what's interesting is. What would have happened had they not blown the big lead against LSU? uh, Would they still be in the playoff if they not blown that game? We'll never know. But, uh, you know, it's a team that's talented. It's obviously, ironically, is going to be playing their third undefeated team in the last, what, month? They played Georgia when they were undefeated in uh, early November. They played Alabama at the Iron Bowl when Alabama was undefeated. That was – on the final week of the regular season prior to the conference championship games. And now they're playing UCF who's undefeated. So it's kind of interesting with that uh, scenario with Auburn uh, to get in there. I think the big question, obviously, Auburn's very talented defensively. Uh, offensively, they got a good running game. Uh, ironically, UCF is going to be facing a quarterback who played prior to Auburn at Baylor. <laughs> you yeah, see Jared, and Jared Stidham. Yep. Yeah who obviously played at Baylor and was actually one of the guys that followed Bryce Petty, who of course was the starting quarterback for Baylor in the Fiesta bowl against UCF. If you're looking for some correlations and some connections there, I think the big, the big question, and we'll get into the UCF side of things as far as the quote distractions or whatever you want to call it. But I think for Auburn, the interesting thing is, well, are they happy to be here? Are they going to be happy to be playing in the peach bar? They're going to be playing in the in Mercedes Benz for the second time in a row after they lost to Georgia. And I think as you'll you'll talk to your guest coming up, is Auburn going to be interested in this game? Are they going to be motivated to yeah. play this game? I think those are going to be some interesting questions. And one of the people that out loud b- believes that Auburn won't be very in, in, in motivated is one Paul Feinbaum. Paul Feinbaum, who hosts a we, uh, daily radio show as well as uh, – His radio show now is on TV on ESPN 2 from 2 to 3, and he's on SEC Network every day. I think it's like 3 to 6. Mm -hmm. Him and Laura Rutledge, former Florida Gator, also work covers for ESPN, on Thursday's edition talked about this game. Jeff, I want to know what your reaction is. Here's Paul Feinbaum and Laura Rutledge about Auburn and UCF and whether Auburn will be motivated for this game.
2: I mean, Ohio State has bitter disappointment, but the difference between Ohio State and Auburn – Ohio State won a championship. I mean, they're coming off of a high. Auburn's coming off of, we just got through beating this team three weeks ago. Now we got beaten, and we're sitting there watching our biggest rival mm. get in the college football playoff, and our second biggest rival just beat us.
3: And, and-, and we get
2: to go to Atlanta.
3: Right. And they beat their biggest rival yeah. and and put them in a situation where, you know, they were not they, they were waiting on other things to happen. You know, the one thing, too, though, is that it was a tough task for Auburn. I mean, let's not take let's not forget yeah. that the fact that they did beat number one teams back to back and then you had to beat another one, you know, beat Georgia again. Uh, You knew that Georgia was going to be able to game plan you, and they were going to be ready for that one. But, uh, and is certainly a very talented team. But as well as Auburn was playing, it was perplexing that they lost. In my opinion, it was perplexing the way they lost. And and,
2: and what really hurts is that in that state, as you know, Laura, because you've spent so much time there, I mean, winning the Iron Bowl is supposed to carry such great bragging rights, but... I mean, what Auburn fan is gonna like brag to an Alabama fan at the Christmas table? UCF. When when they're going Alabama's going to the to the playoffs and Auburn's getting in the in the truck and driving two hours over to Atlanta to play a team that they they're not excited to see.
3: Okay, and okay, you mentioned that. And here's the thing, UCF deserves a ton of credit. Of they are a very good football team. But Auburn's got through playing but, uh, Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> right, and and I just wonder who, if that works in UCF's favor a little more, I'm not saying Auburn's going to disrespect him. I really don't think they will. I think the Auburn players uh, will not disrespect UCF. Maybe some of their fans will. I don't (laughs) think they will. I just don't think there's
2: any motivation. Uh, I mean, you have beaten, as everyone knows, the number one team twice. Uh, You played for the SEC championship. You, You miss out on the playoffs while the team you beat gets in the playoffs. And you get to go play UCF, and you really—it's not like they're. Yeah, you—you've covered UCF games. You know them, but these Auburn players—they know the SEC. Uh, Their non-conference, their biggest non-conference game this year was at Clemson. Mm. I mean, they played Georgia, Alabama, and now they're going. And and
1: it's one thing if they were playing them this game in Hawaii, but they're playing it (laughs) in Atlanta. There you go. That was from the Paul Feinbaum show. But there you go, Jeff. Paul Feinbaum does not believe Auburn has, will be motivated at all
0: that's or just, interested in this game. That's just Paul needling the Auburn fans. Come on, man. What do you I – mean, do you agree or
1: disagree? I mean, I think there's some valid it, – it, it, the interesting thing about this game, and this has always been the question, is if you're – you know, you played Alabama. You were one win away from playing for the, for the playoffs. Now you're playing UCF. Is are they going to get geared up for this game? Are they going to be fired up?
0: Is the fan base interested in this game? You're th- not. You're. I think court. that it's I, th- This is what I think. All right. I think that yes, Auburn's disappointed, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this with our guest today, uh, Justin Ferguson from SEC Country, um, and he has some he has some great insight on this. Um, yes, Auburn is frustrated, but. I do think that yeah, I'm a big believer. By the way, as someone who follows the SEC because I covered Georgia for two years, I I am a believer in Gus Malzahn um, in terms of getting his players motivated. I think the problem that uh, that Auburn is going to run into in this game. I want to see what you think about this. Is that if you ask, you know, who's who's got the pressure? All the pressure is on Auburn because you know if you if you lose this game. You know, then you validated everyone saying, "Well, you shouldn't have, you, you know, you shouldn't have been in the playoff." It's a good thing Alabama got in because you didn't deserve to be in there. Uh, and well, then you're well, also, then you're also losing. You're, you're carrying that that Power Five conference flag with you, and and if you lose to you know UCF, you know, geez, well, uh, well, it, it was so much for your SEC. You know, you, it's like you, it's like you get your SEC card taken away. You know, which. Um, now, I do think I, I. don't think there's any pressure on UCF in this game at all. Even though they're oh, undefeated. Oh, I
1: disagree. Oh, now, are you well, crazy? No,
0: no, no. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. If UCF wins, you know, great undefeated season, right? But if they lose, they're nine and a half point dogs. They're supposed to lose to an SEC team, especially when you're playing in, playing in Atlanta. Liter- literally, no. I don't think any. I don't think anyone outside of UCF thinks the Knights can win this game at all.
1: I disagree and I'm gonna tell you why, because I think a lot there is I think a lot of people agree with Paul Feinbaum, and I'm actually one of them. I don't think Auburn's interested in this game. Okay, but then why did
0: the up. line jump from eight to nine and a half? Well, I thought at ten. So okay, I didn't why did it, it jump from eight to ten?
1: <laughs> well now it's nine and a half. No, I'm saying I saw it at ten and it's dropped to nine and a half because they're a big program. I mean you're always gonna favor big brand names. Why is Alabama favored over Clemson? Because it's Alabama. I mean that just happens. It's always saving. Yeah. So and it's Auburn. You know, people are gonna always SEC teams more times than not, if you look at all the bowl games, most times than more times than not, they're gonna be a favorite. Uh very seldom will they be a big underdog or an underdog in general. I mean it would have to be unique circumstances. Like I think George is maybe a one point dog to Oklahoma. Uh that's about what I can think of. But uh I you know I, I disagree. I, I think with Auburn, yes, if they lose, they all oh, you lost to. Yeah, how can you lose to that UCF team? But I think the majority of the media, national media is going to say, well, they just weren't motivated. They weren't interested. They didn't show up like Paul Feinbaum alluded to in the in the video. We saw that with Florida State against Houston. A lot of people oh, Florida State no showed that game. You know, well, you didn't because you know, well,
0: that, if, if they won the game. Well, congratulations. You did what you were supposed to do. If you lose the game, right. it's a catastrophe. Right. You stink. You shouldn't have you should not right. have lost to. Uh, A a non-power school, supposedly.
1: The funny thing is I think both teams already have their excuses made. I think both – at least fan bases anyway – if Auburn loses, the fan base will say, well, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's just a peach who, you know, we, can't, we didn't care. We were, were not in the playoff. That's all that matters. If UCF loses, fans will say, well, it's because of the coaching distractions and Scott Frost was distracted in this. So everybody's got their excuses already lined up for this game one way or the other regardless of what happens. But I disagree with you from the UCF standpoint about no pressure. I disagree. I think they put pressure on themselves because, number one, you got a chance to do something you've never done before in your school's history, which is go undefeated. And I think that that's important. Number two, uh, a lot of, fa- let's be honest, a lot of people are talking smack about how this team should be a top 10 team. So this seems to be good. Well, if you, don't, if you don't show up against Auburn, now you're going to hear about everybody saying, oh, you see, you see, now you know why you weren't ranked so high in the playoffs. So I disagree. I think there is pressure from that standpoint of validating how good you are. Fair or not, I don't agree with it personally. I personally think bowl games are overrated and overblown. Uh, and I think we make too much of it. I, I'll give you an example. One year ago today, as a matter of fact, remember a year ago this time, Jeff, how everybody was telling us how this was an important bowl game for UCF and Scott Frost against Arkansas State. You know, it's building momentum for next year. Right. That's the old cliche about bowl games. They may lose to Arkansas State. Everybody like oh, this is a catastrophe. It's all oh my God. Well, you know well, how it. By hurt the hurt
0: way, a pretty good Arkansas State team. Let's be fair. Right.
1: Fine. But did it and everybody's like, oh, my God, how could they lose to that? You know. And what happened? Did it hurt the program's momentum? No, they went at a great year. It has no impact on the following year either way. So uh, from that standpoint, so I, I do think we overblow this stuff. But I do think there will be people if UCF loses this game that will say, "A, oh, this team wasn't all that great. You see, that's why you weren't ranked. And that's why the committee you know, didn't rank you as high and they kind of justified it. And B, I think the fan base will say, Oh, you see the Scott Frost and this coaching staff, they were distracted with Nebraska recruits and things like that. They shouldn't have been coaching, which is nonsense. So either way, we're just prepared for a lot of nonsense in the post game. write-up.
0: Excuses, excuses, (laughs) excuses, Uh, which is a great segue. Let's talk about coaching. Scott Frost will coach UCF in this game. They are getting the band back together for one last ride. Yeah. Um, Frost will be on the sideline. He was uh, named the national coach of the year. Um, what do you think of him wearing the two pins? By the way, uh, on his suit, he was wearing a Nebraska pin. Did you notice that? Yeah, the, it was a nice touch. Uh, award show. Nebraska pin on one lapel and a UCF pin on the other. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about this just yet. I do feel. I do feel. What? I do feel oh. here, here's what I feel. Oh boy. I. I don't fault Scott Frost for doing this one bit. I mean, this is a really historic season that he's a part of. He wants to roll one last time with his guys. And and I applaud him and Danny White and Bill Moose for you know getting putting their heads together and saying, hey, look, guys, we're all adults here. This is what I want to do. Let's figure out a way to do this. We can do this, right? We're all grown-ups. And they did. Um, what I don't know how I feel about is... It's it, it, there's still just this awkwardness about it, and, and I give I, I just gives I do give Scott Frost credit for you know saying that you know I, this is how I want to go out here, okay, and I'm gonna ride with my guys one way or the other. Um, it, it's it's still though it, it, you know. Maybe maybe I'm just a little old fashioned it's still just a little weird isn't it I mean he's jet setting back and forth between recruiting for Nebraska on the weekends and coaching UCF up on the weekdays and, and meanwhile we, you know UCF has already hired his successor meanwhile he's already he's taken all of his assistants from UCF yeah including Sean Becton and Travis Fisher okay um, and Troy Walters is heading to Nebraska as well when this is over, even though Troy's officially named the interim head coach when Frost left. I think it's kind of like one of those things where when you see someone do something that actually has integrity to it, this is so cynical, but when you see somebody who actually does something that has some level of integrity to it, you're almost like, oh, come on, really? We're going to do this? like, yeah, this is how I want to do it. Okay. All right. No problem. Um, How do you feel about this? I mean, I I get the feeling that it's not as awkward for you.
1: No, it's what I expected. I'm surprised that people are surprised by this. The only reason why this is even awkward is because of the stupid, stupid early signing period that they have introduced this year. That's the only reason. That's really the only reason. That's the only reason why people are awkward because, oh, he's, you know, he's flipping commits, which we'll get into, which I think is silly as well, uh, because guys flip all the time. And I got news for people. Not every player goes, commits to the school. They commit to the coach. And so to act surprised that guys are flipping from UCF to Nebraska because they want to play for Scott Frost should not be a surprise. Just like it won't be a surprise when Josh Heupel probably gets some guys from Missouri to flip from Missouri to UCF, all right. I think he's just already working out.
0: on that too, by the way. But anyway, go ahead.
1: Exactly, but that's okay, right? But the fan base gets upset at Scott Frost because kids are you know flipping him in, in Nebraska, but they don't have a problem if the other coaches are flipping other guys. It's funny how fans just like it their, how they like it. um Here's my question because you have brought it up, and you know I feel like uh, I think Andrew and Trace are listening to them on night. A lot of people have said this. My question is number one: Who did you think was going to coach this bowl game all this time? If it wasn't Scott Frost,
0: I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be Troy Walters. I really did. Why? He's not the, he's the head coach. In, yeah, he was the interim head coach, though. Not, I thought well, not that anymore. it would have been. Look, it, you, look, Frost has gone to Nebraska. The rest of us we're going to finish this off at UCF, but Troy's going to be in charge.
1: Well, guess what? Troy's at Nebraska too. So That's what's true. the difference? I, know. I know they all gone. So uh, they all took jobs at Nebraska. Now, if Troy Walters would have been say announced as the head coach, then I think you might have a valid argument at that point, but he didn't, uh, he didn't get the job and he took the job at Nebraska. So I don't know. And he's not going to wait till after the bowl game to get a job. All right. You guys got to get a job when he's got to get a job. I mean, so especially with the way the, again, it goes back to the early signing period. I think the one thing that needs to be done that has to go, I don't know why they brought it in in the first place, but it needs to go because that's really why this is creating all this chaos. Because
0: I, I, I think they screwed it up that I, first of all, I did, you know, we've talked about this before. I do think that there should have been an early signing period. O'Leary used to talk about this. Um where there should be an early signing period where, because you don't because that way you don't have to babysit these kids until February. But um but I think they screwed up in that the early signing period starts too late. I think it should right. be in um it should be in in September when you're playing the non-conference games and You know, before you get to conference play, it definitely shouldn't be going on
1: while there's coaching movement, because there's always going to be coaching movement in December. And that's why we've seen so much activity done so quickly and maybe behind the scenes, because everybody's freaking out about getting these early signing period guys. And that's why people are flipping out If, if 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 there was no signing period in December. All right. If there was no signing period in December right now, it would all be like it was before which was February. We wouldn't even be hearing about all these guys flipping to Nebraska or whatever or Scott Frost recruiting, you know, right now. It would probably probably be hearing about it a month from now, maybe a few weeks from now. Maybe you get a one or two kids, but that's why everybody's kind of like all awkward about it. Because yes, it is it, it is interesting that he's coaching UCF. He's got the UCF shirt on, and then he's like, there was this one day in the week where he literally went to practice. He did the Peach Bowl uh, press conference here in Orlando, and then he took a plane to California to recruit a quarterback to come to Nebraska, and then he stopped off in Nebraska. I mean, it's pretty amazing what he's doing. Honestly, he doesn't really, from his standpoint, he doesn't gain anything from coaching this bowl game. Uh, so I commend him for even wanting to coach the ball game. I think he's generally doing it for the players. I think the players, mo- most of them de- definitely want him to coach. And quite frankly, he gives them the best chance to win the game. Troy Walters wasn't going to give him the best chance to win as a head coach. Who else? Josh Heupel can't coach this game. Because he doesn't know the system. Heck, he doesn't know the players well enough right. yet. Because that's not can't fair to him. a
0: New system in, 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 in right. twelve practice so, days or whatever. So what, what? So what are you going to do? Call
1: up George O'Leary and give him a chance <laughs> to and call that? I mean, he doesn't even know the system, and that's the Maybe thing. Call up,
0: um, call because, up George and have him pull a Barry Alvarez because doesn't Barry Alvarez right. coach Wisconsin in, a, in in the Rose yes. Bowl like one seventy five Alv- years because they're changing coaches?
1: <laughs> right, Barry Alvarez stepped in one year when they were in the Rose Bowl. I think twice. it was because was it twice? Twice he's done that. Okay, I've lost track. But see, here's the problem. (laughs) The problem is you can't even do that if you even wanted to because they run completely different systems. See, Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, they run the same system. He can run that. George O'Leary has no clue about how to run a spread. It just doesn't work. So I always felt Scott Frost was going to coach this game. Uh, I I never doubted it. This is not the first time that this has happened before. I point back to the 05 Fiesta Bowl where both – Urban Meyer and Walt Harris. Urban Meyer was the head coach at Utah and uh Walt Harris was the coach at Pittsburgh. Both had taken jobs elsewhere. Urban Meyer went to Florida, uh Harris went to Stanford, had gotten the job at Stanford. They both coached their respective schools in that Fiesta Bowl, Utah and Pittsburgh. So it's been done before, it could happen. Uh I don't have a problem with it. Scott Frost is a big part of the reason why UCF's 12 and 0. And I don't see anything wrong. I don't see anything done wrong by either side. Is it you know, there I think there were some things certainly that's that's you know, uh, maybe awkward like you said, I guess, but I've never one second had any doubts that Scott Frost was gonna coach this game because quite frankly, who was gonna coach this game? There are yeah. no other options here. And I think look, <clears throat> if UCF was playing in no disrespect, but if UCF was playing, let's say, in the Boca Ratombo, I he would not be coaching this game. Yeah, but you're it's probably right. The beach, Right. Right. Uh, but it's the peach bowl. It's a big bowl game. Uh, right. and I think everybody benefits from this, you know, UCF has this is their best chance to win is by having the staff work this game like they're going to do. And I, I don't see any negative. And for people, I've seen people saying, well, this is just an infomercial for Nebraska. No, it's an infomercial for, it's an infomercial for everybody. It's an infomercial for Nebraska, for UCF, for everybody. Um, <clears throat> it's not like Nebraska is a rival to UCF or anything like that. Um, I think it's a win-win for all parties. Actually, I think Scott Frost has the most to lose here because, you know, uh, he's got to try and beat Auburn, and if he loses to Auburn, people are going to blame him. I think unfairly because they're going to say he was distracted or he didn't, you know, lock in on the game, which I think is unfair because I think what he's doing uh, is really uh, a noble thing, and he's doing it for the players. I I don't think hmm. Scott Frost will lo- if if UCF loses this game, it's not because Scott Frost is. Busy recruiting Nebraska or distracted or not caring. He cares. And if anything, he'll have more than plenty of time to, to uh, prepare for Auburn.
0: By the way, Al- Alvarez has co- come back to Wisconsin to coach in the bowl game twice. Uh, 20 tw- he retired officially from Wisconsin in, after 2005. Um, but he coached once in the Rose Bowl in 2012, a loss, and once in the Outback Bowl two years later in 2014, a win. So, wow! Uh, so,
1: maybe so what? Are you calling for him to come to coach UCF? Is that what you're saying? Is that you going for the trifecta there? No, or? no, no, no.
0: no. I, I wasn't sure if George would pull a, pull an Alvarez and you know come you know come down from the ivory tower and.
1: But no, it, you know it's funny you mentioned that. I, that's the problem. <laughs> of course though. he
0: wouldn't. Of course he wouldn't. But I'm just joking. No. But anyway,
1: but I, I do wonder though if UCF was running a pro set offense, that well, could maybe. have been an option. That would, But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's cra- it's I mean, you just brought up what Wisconsin has done. I think that's a big part of the issue here is not everybody can run that spread offense, especially the way Scott Frost does. Whereas if UCF was running a pro set
0: offense, maybe oh. you could have gotten. And George uh, is know, allergic the, to spread offenses. I think we correct. both know that.
1: <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I, and I don't agree with people. So i saying, well, why didn't Josh Heupel just coach this game with his staff? He has nothing to gain from this. And if anything, he's got he's he'd be coaching a bunch of players he doesn't know. This uh, is a, a system that neither side would be familiar with each other. If he loses the game, people would be freaking out like, oh, my God, where, we hired this guy. Right. Let's hear from – let me hear – let's hear from Josh Hypo, because uh, Paul – he was on Paul Feinbaum's show. And Feinbaum asked him about this kind of awkward situation as you, Jeff, you called it. And here's what Josh Hypo had to say about the bowl game.
2: Yeah, it certainly is, is unique, uh, um, to say the least. But I think, you know, the bowl game is really about the 2017 season. Um, I think our kids are extremely excited about the opportunity to go play Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for Coach Frost and what he's been able to do. I've known him for, for a long time. And, um, um, you know, so I, I'm excited to, to get an opportunity to watch them practice, watch them go through the process, learn a lot about the, the players that we have currently on the roster. Uh, I won't be in, in game planning or anything like that, The uh, the previous staff. We'll handle all, all of that. And, and at the end of the day, you know, give our kids the best chance to go out there and be successful.
1: There you go. So Josh Heupel saying, by the way, like Scott Frost, understands this is about the 2017 team. He's going to be there watching the game. He has no problem with it. So he has no problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. Scott Frost, I don't think anybody should have a problem with
0: with, with anything. One other thing I wanted to mention about recruits real quick, um, you know, and, and and you touched upon, oh, well, he's flipping recruits. And I put this out in a tweet earlier this week. I said, "Listen, I never worry about UCF's recruiting, especially especially if you know if Scott Frost is trying to flip recruits. Listen, the kids who are going to want to be here are going to be here, and the kids who aren't won't. Right? The coaches know this. The kids who are already here know this. You know, it, it's not a secret. It's also not a secret that very few coaches actually." You know, finish their full tenure and see their first recruiting class all the way through. Very, very few. I think one third, somewhere around one third. I, I went back and looked at it. One third of uh, of FBS coaches have actually been at their current schools long enough to see their first recruiting class through all the way through, you know, five years. So, if you, if like you said, Eric, if if these players are following are following coaches around. They're setting themselves up for disappointment. I don't think players are that stupid. I, I think that I think that I
1: think some do though. No, I disagree. I think some guys do go because of the coach, and now once they go they, there, I they think can't, they go they because follow. of the
0: system. I don't think they go so much because of the coach. See, there's a difference between the two. Like if you run the same system, like let's say if we did hire Troy Walters, we then it would pretty much be a shoe in that we'd be running the same system. We're still gonna right. be running an up to te- up tempo system with Josh Heupel. it's just going to be different than what we were running under Scott Frost. And if you're and if yeah, you're but I- and if you're listen, if you if you from speaking of this from a, a UCF perspective, right? If you're a recruit and you're, you know, quote committed, I love that word, committed to UCF, which you know, you're not really committed. Um no. If you're committed to UCF and then you flip over to Nebraska because Scott Frost went to Nebraska, well, then you deserve what you get. go away. We don't want you here. We want guys who want to be here no matter who the coach is because those are the guys who you build programs around that love the place that love UCF not so much love the that you know this one guy who you know you never know Scott Frost, you know goes five hundred th- three years in a row, and Nebraska fans will be calling for his head so i so I I, I, this is why I don't worry about about recruiting. At, well,
1: no, I agree with that. I mean, I'm just just saying, but I'm just saying there are percentages of guys that go for the coach, especially in basketball. I think is it's a higher percentage. Basketball guys go to to play for Coach Calipari or yeah. Coach Shashetky. But, but but that's also uh,
0: because you know there's a, there's a percentage of guys who who go to play for those coaches because they believe that they'll get them to the NBA.
1: You know, sure, I, I think oh, that's, no doubt about that's, that. that's 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 yeah, the so. difference.
0: I don't I don't think that the the pro prospect of it plays quite. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying it doesn't play quite as much into it for a, for a football player.
1: I disagree with that. I mean, why do you think guys go to Alabama? It ain't because of uh, hanging out in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, all all year round. It's because they want to play for Nick Saban, an iconic coach, and they and hey, he can help me get to the NFL. Uh, same you're thing with Urban Meyer. <laughs> Right. Or if you guys go to Ohio State because they want to play for Urban Meyer and they want to play, go get to the, the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons uh, guys go. And look, I, I think some guys do go because they like the coach. Generally, they get a relationship when you're you know, when coaches recruit players, there's a relationship that gets built there. You get comfortable with a coach and you like that guy. You're like, man, I want to play for that guy. So I'm sure there's certain guys. That were going to come to UCF because they wanted to play for Scott Frost, and now Scott's in Nebraska. And you're like, you know what? I want to play for Scott Frost because he's fun, he's cool, and and I, I feel like he has my back and things like that. No, but go, you're you right. What? Also, go ahead, go. Bring your coat. But I don't think they're. I don't think the kid's wrong for doing that. Why is the kid bad for that? I don't because, think the kid's wrong because for
0: that. The, because the evidence suggests that that's a foolish move.
1: How do you know? Maybe the kid enjoy. Maybe. Well, I mean, if the kid goes to Nebraska and he has a good time, I mean, it worked out. Right, I mean. Right.
0: I just think that I mean, if you're a col- if you're if you're a high school kid, I mean, look around you. One third of the coaches in FBS don't see their first recruiting class through. So if you're going to go there, go to school X because of the coach that's there, chances are he's not going to be there by the time you graduate. So yeah, but kids don't think of it that way.
1: They they're thinking, hey, I'll be there for three years. He'll be there for my three years. They're not going to be. They're not. They don't think that way. And look. A kid can go to the school because they like the school, and then they go to the school, and they end up being disappointed. So it goes both ways. That's I mean, true, it, too. It's not like, oh, well, I'm going for the campus, and then they go to the campus, and they realize, wow, this wasn't really all what I thought it would be. So um, I just think there's a lot of variables. Um,
0: I mean, why do – you know? But I, I don't like think 30, that's the case with UCF, though. As far as what? I, I mean, you, you come to UCF. I mean, how, how many kids – do you think would come to UCF and be like, man, this place is kind of a disappointment compared to what I was seeing?
1: Well, but UCF's had players transfer. I mean, it's not like That's it's a, true. But I mean, Bo Schneider transfer. There's a number of
0: different reasons for that. Well, Bo Schneider Correct. transferring is because the system wasn't for him. Right. Right. I mean, because coaches change, things change,
1: things happen. Yeah. Um, and also, there I mean, too many quarterbacks. Knows? Oh, look, and the kid could go and go to UCF, you know, maybe they're gonna stay and go to UCF, but now this coaching staff maybe they don't get the playing time that they feel like they should, and they feel it's because of the new coaching staff. And guess what? So now they change their mind. You know, things happen for a lot of different reasons. Uh there's not one specific reason, but I think to your point, UCF's gonna be fine. At the end of the day, they're gonna have guys they're gonna come to UCF. Uh yes, you're gonna lose some guys to go you know, by the way, you probably were gonna lose some of these guys that are now flipping we're probably going to flip anyway. There's always a certain group of kids that are always going to flip at the la- at the at the end anyway just because they do, you know? So, uh to suggest that all oh, this guy Scott Frost being around is hurting us, I, I don't buy that because Josh is going to get his kids and some kids are going to stay and some things are going to go. It always seems to even out and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many kids you bring in. It's how you coach them up. Right? right? If you don't you coach develop. them up. Exactly. So, um That's the name of the game. So I I think everybody will be fine uh, in this deal. And I I just think it's been honestly an overblown. Once again, this is what we do as media because we have nothing else to talk about. We got to talk about all this drama and this nonsense that has nothing to do with what happens on the field. Just like all those distractions these players supposedly had the last three weeks of the year. Right. Right. I mean, what happened to that? Remember that? Oh, this team is too distracted. There's so many things going on. It's going to affect them in the game. Yeah, no, they won. It's nonsense.
0: Yeah. Ah, distraction. God, my favorite word. Oh, man. I wish I had those distractions. Man. <laughs> well, uh, stick around because we're going to distract you with a break here in a second. And uh, when we come back, we will uh, take a look at the Auburn side of things. We've got Justin Ferguson from SEC Country joining us. Uh, here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast to give us a little bit of uh, give us a little bit of perspective on uh, the Auburn side of things. So stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team. Sam and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Powered by EXP Realty. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and fans, he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. The real estate market here in Central Florida has been on the move for some time now, so if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Sam's got you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give Sam a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit him on the web at Sam Again, that's Sam Sells You can also reach Sam on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sam Sells Orlando. Get in touch with the Sam Unger real estate team today and make finding your dream home a reality.
4: and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on. Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast.
0: All right. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Blackandgoldbanneret.com is where you can catch all of our latest content. Uh, oh, by the way, Eric Lopez, we got, uh, we're going to have a crew going up to cover the Peach Bowl. Uh, Murph, Brian Murphy, spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter is going to be, uh, covering the game from the press box live. Uh, Derek Warden will be, uh, our, our, staff photographer will be on the field at the Peach Bowl. It's done a phenomenal job all year, by yes, the way. Yes, he phenomenal. has. I, I, I tell you something, if you have not seen Derek's photo galleries from the games early this year, you are missing out my man, because he's just been, uh, he, he's been such a, uh, he's been a real uh, a real asset to us this year. I mean, there's really no way there, – there's really no two ways about it. So thanks to Derek. Thanks to Brian. They'll be up there. I will actually be up there too, Eric Lopez, but I will be up there in a fan capacity. Well, um, good job. Yeah, I know. I, well, well, here's the reason why. I see I – you know, I, it was one of those things, like when we graduated, right, I always tell myself one day UCF is going to get to a big bowl game and I'm going to go, Right. And then it happened in 2014 and it was a very difficult time at the, when it happened. Uh, and so I couldn't go. I couldn't go. And I regretted that. Right. And I told myself then, I said, if UCF ever gets back to a big, bull, big bowl game, I'm going to find a way to go. Wow. And here they are in Atlanta. And so it's, it's going to be a, a trip for myself and, and my son, my son, Connor. We're going up there. Um, uh, we're going to drive the six hours. We're get, uh, you know we got our hotel all set. We're going to we're actually going to go to the UCF Alumni uh, Association tailgate official tailgate, which is being held at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, which I'm really looking forward to for that. Um, and uh, and then we're going to go to the game and we're going to enjoy it and um, you know maybe check out the stadium, see some friends, and um, hopefully have a good time. You know we we were at you know. We, we've been to a couple football games together as fans, but this will be a big, a big experience. I'm really excited to take my son to this game. You know, so, um, so this should be uh, this should be a lot of fun. Um, That's pretty cool.
1: Pretty cool. So we'll have Brian, obviously, will be in the press box covering the game. You got Derek taking photos. You're going to yep. be in there. For, well, you'll give the fan perspective. Yeah, He'll I'll be, be there giving
0: it. some fan perspective. I got my mobile device with me, and uh, and. Nice. And so really, really, if I, just, if, I just keep, if I just keep Connor fed, I think we'll be fine.
1: <laughs> Correct. So yeah, that's keep it on black and go banner where you got yeah. every literally every angle covered. Uh, that'll be fun. Uh, I think kind of a cool experience for you to, co- I think, give a perspective from the fan standpoint leading up, you know, from the pregame on to the certainly into the game and mm-hmm. kind of the reaction from the stands. Murph obviously will have everything covered during the game, and it's going to be fun. So it's going to be a very interesting deal.
0: All right so um in line with that, time for our guest uh we've uh, w- I wanted to get some perspective on the auburn side of things because you know they come in ten and three a little disappointed obviously that they're not get- that they didn't make it to the college football playoff and you know what is the uh what is the talk of the town up uh, uh or as they say down on the plane um down in Auburn about what uh, about this team and what this game means to them at ten and three and um and so uh, we called up Justin Ferguson from SEC Country, uh, SECCountry.com. He's the Auburn beat reporter. And, uh, and here is our conversation with Justin that we recorded uh, earlier today. And joining me now on the line, Justin Ferguson, the Auburn beat reporter for SEC Country, SECCountry.com. Here to talk a little Auburn Tigers with us here as we get ready for the 2017 Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Justin, how are you, man? Thank you for joining us.
4: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
0: Good. Thank you so much for joining us uh late this evening. I know that's uh I know you just got off the road and you're probably exhausted, but uh I appreciate your time this evening and uh uh so let's talk a little football real quick because uh hey, all of a sudden, here's this game between these two squads, undefeated UCF and Auburn who came within a whisker of getting into the college football playoff. What's the what what is the uh, the feeling over down on the plains right now um with regard to Auburn and the college football playoff and how um even though they uh, you know even though the loss in the SEC championship game Alabama gets in uh over you guys is it is there is there anger is there bewilderment what's going on down there
4: I think with the fans it's a mixture right now um uh, a little bit of frustration uh, definitely especially when you see a team like Alabama get in um knowing that Auburn beat them by double digits at home and to see Alabama get in over that Auburn uh, our fans just kind of frustrated that it weren't able to take care of business in, in a couple of key games. However, the, the overall outlook of the program is, is going really well right now. Um, uh, you, you see a lot of people looking at this team with a lot of potential. There's some key NFL decisions to be made uh, coming up with guys like carry on Johnson, Jarrett Stidham, Jeff Holland, Carlton Davis. Uh, but if Auburn, could get a majority of those guys back, they'll return off, you know, a majority of their starters, Uh, From this team that that won the SEC West, um, and they feel like just with this staff in place and what the roster they've got and what they're coming in and what could be another top-ten recruiting class, this is a team that's built to content. Um, So there there are fans that are frustrated, uh, but the overall kind of feeling around here is that Auburn's in a really good position right now. Um, if they can go back to Atlanta, um, a place they'll become very familiar with in mm-hmm. the next next few months, um, and beat a very good UCF team, the last undefeated team in college football, the uh, one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the country, uh, consistency wise. Um, that's a lot of momentum for the 2018 season, what could be a big season. Um, so while there is frustration, I think there's a lot of reason uh, for fans to be optimistic and they're looking at this game as kind of a springboard uh, for next season.
0: Well, Auburn comes into the game a 9.5-point favorite, uh, and actually that went up from the opening line, according to com, was 8. Uh, depending on where you look, you'll see 9.5, you'll see 10. Let me ask you about uh, Auburn on offense right now. What, how do they... How do? Uh, how does Gus Malzahn, you know, think, or how do you think Gus Malzahn might try and attack UCF's defense, especially when you consider how many points the Knights have given up in the last two games against USF and Memphis?
4: I think one of the key things uh, Auburn's going to try to do, especially in this game, is it stay balanced. It's been kind of the big uh, hallmark of this offensive season for so long. Auburn was the really big rushing team. You think back to 2013 when they went to the National Championship running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Hadn't really had a consistent passing presence. New offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey and quarterback uh, Jared Stidham, they've kind of changed that. And so they're going to look at this UCF team that uh, that can score with anybody but have had some hard time, you know, uh, not getting into shootouts. Um, and I think Auburn's going to look to try to take advantage. Of what I think they'll will do up front, uh, be able to kind of create some space in the trenches for uh, for the running game, and then try to hit UCF over the top. Of some of those big plays that you know you saw uh, the Knights give up. Um, right. And you know, i think thinking back to the, the USF game and the Memphis game down the stretch. Great games, uh, but US, uh, UCF's been a little prone to those big plays, and Auburn can hit hit those big plays downfield once they've established the running game.
0: On the other side of the ball, on defense, you know what a challenge that you guys have going up against the number one scoring country, scoring team in the country. But this is, you know, an SEC defense, and you know we know how fast and physical SEC defenses are. Um, how big of a challenge is this for Auburn's defense?
4: You know, this is a really interesting challenge for Auburn because if you look at the teams they played this year, uh, Auburn's been real dominant on defense outside of the SEC championship game where they just kind of ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. They haven't really played an offense quite like UCS. This was a down year for offense across the SEC. They played a Clemson team early in the season that was still trying to figure things out with Kelly Bryant, and he was hurt at points. So when it comes to a dynamic spread offense, Um, that has been really consistently good. They haven't really had to face that this year. Um, Now they've been able to play great defense against pretty much anyone, um, but I wonder how much of that is a product of the SEC kind of being down. You saw teams like Ole Miss and Mississippi State just not able to produce against this defense. Um, I think Auburn's going to make a big, big effort on uh, taking advantage of their front four um, it's throwing a heavy amount of rotation on the defensive line, try to wear down UCF. UCF's going to get their yards and get their points. They're going to try to tire those guys out up front and see if they can, you know, get some shots in on on guys like Mackenzie Milton. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a really really fascinating matchup because in terms of a wide open spread offense, uh, Auburn really hasn't faced one uh, that has been nearly as consistent as this UCF one has been.
0: Yeah, they're expecting quite a bit of points so over under 66 and a half. Now, we know how good Auburn is, uh, especially on offense. Like we talked about, you know, how Cameron Johnson has just been um, has just been a force for Auburn. Although Cameron Petways, uh, another uh, next him in the backfield has been downgraded to out. But I wanted to ask about on defense with uh, with the Tigers. Uh, if you're a UCF fan and you're watching this game on New Year's Day in the, in the Merce- I almost said the Georgia Dome, in the Merce- in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. <laughs> Uh, It still sounds weird saying it. Um, Yep. Who is the guy on defense uh, for Auburn that if you're a UCF fan, you're watching like, okay, if we do not hear this guy's name much, we're going to have a good day?
4: That's a great question. And I would say it's Jeff Holland, uh, one of the best pass rushers in college football this season. Jeff Holland stepped in. Uh, for Carl Lawson, who is producing really well in the NFL right now, but has been able to improve on those numbers. And Holland has just been a consistent force. You think back to the times Auburn's offense has had, or defense rather, has had their best success. Uh, It's when Jeff Holland's had a really good game. And even when he's not sacking the quarterback, it's just a matter of getting a bunch of pressure on him. Um, He's got a great, uh, great motor, really good burst. He's really worked on his, you know, hand-to-hand kind of combat, Uh, he prides himself on that and getting free from blocks uh, that way. If if UCF can contain him, and I know um, UCF will be down there starting left tackle in this game from what what I've seen down in Orlando. right? Auburn's going to try to attack uh, with with Jeff Holland there. He's been their best passer, one of their best pass rushers in a long time. Uh, If UCF can limit his effectiveness, even with that uh, banged-up offensive line, uh, over on the edges, uh, I think it would be a good day for UCF because uh, Jeff Holland held pretty quiet in the SC championship game. Uh, he says he's probably going to be coming back next year for Auburn, so this is a game for him to kind of get some of that momentum, like I was saying earlier, on a personal level for the 2018 season because he has really been a force when Auburn's rolling on defense.
0: Right, that's Aaron Evans, UCF's uh, senior left tackle. who was just announced this week he's going to be out mm. for the game. So his UCF career is over. That's a real bummer on the UCF side of the ball. Um, let's talk about you know, Auburn in general, you know, right now, coming in this game 10-3. and 3, th- There's kind of this, I don't know if I believe this, but there's this trope that comes in that says, oh, well, you know, you have these SEC teams, and usually, of course, this applies to Alabama and the Nick Saban era, but this is applied to other SEC teams as well. Now, when they get left out of the big dance, and they go to a bowl game, and they face a team like UCF, or you know, several years ago it was you know Alabama facing Utah and Kyle Whittingham. That these SEC mm-hmm. teams don't get up to play these games. Now I don't necessarily buy that, but is there concern at Auburn, either inside the building or outside the building, that that might be the case this time around? You know,
4: outside the building, when you when you hear fans, they're just kind of like, eh, I mean, how how motivated can you be for this game? They didn't get in the playoff; it's very disappointing. And I think a lot of fans, uh, Auburn fans, aren't recognizing just kind of the challenge that UCF's going to bring. This is a fantastic team, um, and but Auburn fans will still look at it as a as a lose lose situation. If they beat UCF, okay, they'd be in a group of five team. Big deal, and if they lose, it's the end of the world. It's a sour end the season. Inside the building, though, they don't see that at all. They see it, like I said, as a as a goal. They they need to win this game. Auburn under Gus Malzahn just hasn't had a lot of postseason success, um, you know, in bowl games. Uh, the only win they've had has come against Memphis in the Birmingham Bowl a couple of years back. So they really need kind of a, a signature bowl win. And, and Gus Malzahn this week talked about. Uh, what this means for auburn if they get this win this will be win number 11 on the season only six other auburn teams have ever done that and, and they're making that their main goal get win number 11 go down as one of the best teams in school history despite you know not winning the sec and not going to the playoffs it's still a really good year and like i said if they can come back next year with the with the guys they have reloaded um they'll be fine. They'll be a contender once again. Um, so this is the inside of the building. People are very much taking it seriously because uh, this is such an important game to kind of set the tone for the next year and wrap up what has been a really, really impressive season for Auburn, even with those disappointing losses.
0: Well, it has indeed. And these are two teams coming off of very, very impressive uh, seasons, and especially the way they have both finished out. So this will be uh, one heck of a challenge for UCF, who is – looking for their first win against Auburn in what will be their fourth try. The Knights uh, lost three consecutive games uh, at Jordan-Hare back in the late 90s, including a game that I actually profiled on our site, BlackAndGoldBanneret.com. a 10-6 game uh, that was uh, Mm -hmm. decided in the final moments. Do you remember that game? It was 1998 back then
4: uh i I barely remember that game um you know i was that was that would have been pretty young then. but uh yeah you you know that that was one of those times where auburn in those late 90s they kind of had some had some scares against teams that were kind of on the rise i remember a southern miss game where they really took auburn uh wyoming took them down the wire around that era too um so uh, it's really been you know just from a from a college football fan standpoint it's really been uh, kind of incredible to see uh, just the rise of UCF over the years, and even at the very, very low point they were in right before Scott Frost came in, and, and now to see you know Frost getting one more game—it's it's just a really cool story and a, a really cool story for this uh, for this uh, team and this program, which is you know just personally it has been kind of fun to watch their rise.
0: Well, it should be one heck of a football game. At least, I, at least I know you. We both hope it does. Uh, it will be on uh, New Year's Day at twelve thirty p.m. At, the Mer- at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Justin Ferguson from seccountry.com. Justin, how can folks get in touch with you?
4: Yeah, the easiest way to get up with me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jay Ferguson AU on Twitter. And uh, if you want to read our stuff, uh, our coverage for um, Auburn heading into the uh, into the Peach Bowl, if you want a little. Uh, Prospective, you know, perspective from uh, the Auburn side. Go to seccountry.com dot com slash Auburn. Uh, the easiest way to keep up with us, one hundred percent free coverage of Auburn, and uh, yeah, that's the easiest way to get up with us. And looking forward to uh, maybe interacting a little bit with some UCF fans uh, heading into this game. It should be a fun
0: one. Sounds good, Justin. We'll catch you in Atlanta. Until then, be safe, and we'll uh, we'll see you on New Year's Day. Hey, thanks, guys. All right, cool, and thanks to Justin for uh, for helping us out. And again, SEC Country. Dot com j ferguson a u on Twitter we'll be following him uh, very closely as we uh, head down towards the uh, as we head down towards game day and on game day um, as well um, real quick Eric Lopez I know I mentioned this to uh, to Justin and I'll and I'll go back to you UCF's all time series against Auburn zero and three yeah three consecutive losses in 97, 98, and ninety nine uh, and I got a piece up on Black and Gold Banneret right now about that '98 game, which uh, I f- somebody posted it on YouTube, and uh, I put myself through it. <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, it, it is. A, a, let me tell you, if you're a UCF fan, and you UCF fans who are around in '98, you know, or maybe maybe graduated, maybe were at school at that time that went through that game. Um that's the true UCF fan to to understand what it was like to deal with that level of heartbreak when you come so close against a big time team that is just ripe for the picking and you come up short 10 to 6 in that game the Dante Culpepper fumble you know they had a fourth and 10 and Auburn converts the fourth and 10 with less than a minute to go to stay alive they still have the whole length of the field to go, and then um, and then they hit Karsten Bailey for that uh, for that long touchdown that, get, that that gives Auburn the lead. Um, UCF turned the ball over five times. Um, they had what is it five trips into the red zone and could only come up with two field goals out of that. I mean, it was just it, it's it, it was one of those days where you are like, man, this team like maybe will never get over the hump. And to see where we are, basically twenty years later um playing auburn again um but this time in the sugar bowl, or, or excuse me in the in the peach bowl um you know wow what a what a long way what a long uh, strange trip it's been what a journey it's been for this program when you think about it from a historical perspective do you
1: remember that game in 98 i do well it, it the, the funny story about that uh that year was the first time the or the year that I went to my first ever UCF game? Right, I, I had a done friend of my
0: Cole senior year,
1: correct. And and this is kind of the impact of what you know things. Uh, I was a senior high school in Miami Killian, all right, at the time, and my I had a friend uh, who went to I went to high school with. <laughs> who was who went to UCF, I think it was his freshman or sophomore year, I remember the year. So I went up to visit him and we went on the weekend of Halloween, because it was Halloween horror nights, you know, they did all the Halloween like they uh-huh. do now. And he came up to hey, you should go see this Culpepper kid. Because there was a lot of hype on Culpepper. The year before, uh, they had given Nebraska the scare with Scott Frost at quarterback. Uh, that we've talked about in previous podcasts. So I I wanted to see Culpepper because he was going to be a high draft pick, and he was. He generally was the best quarterback in the state by far that year of anybody. Um, Better than what Florida had, better than what Florida State had, Miami, et cetera. So I went up to Halloween that weekend. They were playing Youngstown State, who was coached by Jim Trestle. Uh, and Pepper was fantastic. I went to the citrus bowl. There was about 20,000. I remember everybody was doing the keys at kickoff and things like that. And that was a big year because the expectation was in talking to people was about trying to UCF getting to a first time ever to go to a bowl game. And at the time it was back then, it was harder to get to bowl games. UCF was an independent. It was, they had no alignment. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of a crapshoot. And I remember that when I was talking to people after the Youngstown State game, I'm like, wait, wait, everybody said it. it's going to come down to the Auburn game. They believed if they could beat Auburn, and Auburn was struggling that year. If they could beat Auburn, they felt they would be 10-1 uh, and because at the time they had already lost at Purdue, if you remember, with Drew Brees up in Purdue. Right. So the, 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 the thought was if we beat Auburn, we'll be, we're going to go to a bowl game. And so I remember following that from that point on because I was intrigued. Uh, and I remember, the, and and it was weird. Talk talk about, talk about how things have changed. Back then, UCF and you know this, UCF had certain games televised on Suns or Sun Sports or what it then used it to be was called Sunshine, Sunshine Network. Network, yeah. And they weren't necessarily live. <laughs> uh, um, sometimes they were on delay, right? Which is crazy to think about now.
0: I remember that so Louisiana remember, Tech game was on was televised on delay. That yeah. Year. With, with,
1: with Tim Rattay. Right. And I remember the broadcast crew, and, it, and, and I remember watching it when you popped up the, your, their story there. It was Andrew Bonico. Mm-hmm. Who now works with the San Charles Antonio State. Spurs. We've have, I've booked him on local radio. He's the, the, right the TV host for the San Antonio Spurs for over a couple of decades. And Charles Davis, yep, who's obviously now a national uh, football analyst for Fox. And so I remember watching that game, and I'm like, oh, my God, they lost that game. The way they did. Yeah. And the uh, UCF finished up nine and two. they beat New Mexico, who had a young kid by the name of Brian Erlacher <laughs> playing in the secondary. Mm-hmm. All right. And I remember, I guess, UCF was they thought it came down to the UCLA Miami game. Had UCLA beaten Miami, uh, there was a spot that UCF was going to go to the Hawaii Bowl, I think it right. was or Which, something by like that the way
0: was was played during that during that conference championship weekend. Because yes. there was a hurricane that rolled, in. it was Hurricane George, uh, yes. rolled through South Florida and moved the game.
1: Yes, and and so that game impacted the, the the national championship because it helped Florida State get in, but it hurt UCF because Miami beat UCLA. UCLA was bumped; they didn't make the playoffs. They got bumped to the Rose Bowl, and then Arizona was bumped from the Rose Bowl to another. And so there was a, a kind of a rippling effect, mm-hmm. and so as a result. The, the the slot that UCF possibly was going to get into was not available. And unfortunately, right. despite going nine and two, UCF did not go to a bowl game. So I remember they that game. Auburn very they
0: probably would have gotten into that bowl game. Right. That one. was at least, that was what
1: people were telling me when I was up there at that UCF game. So from that point on, I started following UCF football. That was the turning point for me. Uh, so, yes, that was the first uh, experience of disappointment. I wasn't as devastated, obviously, because at the time I had gone to school at UCF. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember that game very well. And, uh, unfortunately, it cost, I think, UCF a bowl game. So, unfortunately, right. I remember it too well.
0: Yeah, hard for an independent to get to a bowl game unless you're Notre Dame, um, back then. But, right. uh, but, yeah, so I got a well, write up on that they game.
1: Well, back <clears throat> then, they didn't have 41 bowl games either. So,
0: that's true, too. Uh, I got a write up on that game on blackandgoldbanneret.com that you can check out. And, uh, like I said at the end, never forget. Never forget. So, uh, Again. If I
1: show my Culpepper jersey, I, I'll never. I bought a Dante Culpepper number eight UCF jersey that year when I went to the bookstore.
0: Is, is, I've is, is, it's not gold, it's yellow, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's a black, the black jersey.
1: It's a black number oh, okay. eight with a gold number, back yeah. what they used to wear with Mike Kruzek as the uh, Kruzak, head coach. Yeah,
0: fun. We've got so we've got that up there on blackandgoldbanneret.com. We'll have a few other things that we're working on. I'm working on a. A table of TV ratings of UCF nationally televised games as well. We got a bunch of stuff that's coming for you. Yeah, real, real next, quick, a uh, few uh, weeks. Yeah, go ahead.
1: We had some listeners uh, tweet at us um, at Black and Go Benaret. They tweeted at me at Eric Lopezilo. I know uh, they tweeted you too. I believe about yeah. this. we've been seeing uh, a lot and, more
0: traffic on Twitter the last uh, month or so. which Absolutely. Like to see. Thanks remember, to everyone so for reaching out.
1: Absolutely. And one of the questions that the uh, uh, listeners, uh, people were tuning in, asked was. Do they believe that this Peach Bowl uh, will be a higher rated game than the Fiesta Bowl uh, as far as for UCF's
0: concern? I think Um, that's very hard because of the time slot. It's 1230 noon on uh, on uh, on New Year's Day.
1: It's right. Uh, and and The answer I gave him on Twitter and I'll answer it here. uh, The Baylor game drew about 11 million viewers nationally. Uh, But that was a primetime game on New Year's night. New Year's Day night. Right. There was no other football game going head to head at that time. So, A, more people are home usually on, at night than they are at 1230. And B, that was the only football game. Whereas for this scenario, UCF's going up against not only two football games, but I think two very attractive bo- football games. Notre Dame and LSU, which we played in Orlando. It's going to be on ABC. And then Miss Citrus and- Bowl. Yeah. And then Michigan and South Carolina is playing at the Outback Bowl on ESPN, too. You got big brands like Michigan and Notre Dame involved as well as LSU. Uh, That's that's going to take away national viewers. I would not be surprised, actually, if UCF and Auburn is of those three games is the third uh, viewed game. I would not be surprised. if I definitely expect Notre Dame and LSU to beat it head to head. And I would not be shocked if Michigan and South Carolina beat. UCF, Auburn. It'll be close, but I don't think they'll do national. From a local standpoint, uh, the Baylor game did a 17-4 rating. Uh, I don't know if UCF, Auburn locally will do that number, but I do think it'll do a big number, but I don't think it'll reach that number of a 17. We'll see. We'll monitor that for you, obviously, but uh, just to answer it, no. I think if I had to project – I think UCF-Auburn will probably draw about 5 million viewers. The only thing – the one thing it does have going for them, they're the leading game until the first semifinal game, which is Georgia and Oklahoma, which will be on ESPN. So mm-hmm. they, if, if UCF and Auburn plays a really good game, if it's a good game in the fourth quarter, you're going to get a lot of viewers tuning in in the fourth quarter because they're going to be getting ready to watch the playoff game and they're going to watch the end of the UCF-Auburn yeah. game if it's close. So they do have that in their favor.
0: Yeah. Well, I believe that's another thing that we're going to be keeping an eye on is the TV numbers as they come through. And again, uh, we're going to have uh, Brian Murphy is going to be up in Atlanta. I'll be up in Atlanta providing some of the fan perspective throughout uh, New Year's uh, throughout New Year's Day, New Year's morning, and uh, during the game. And, of course, Derek Gordon will be up there uh, taking care of the visuals as well with, uh, with his uh, photo gallery of the game, too. So um, real quick before we go. Wanted to hit up basketball real quick. Ladies first. Women's basketball is on a two-game winning streak. Uh, they knocked off Georgia Southern, blew out Georgia Southern at home, sixty-two thirty-eight uh, last Sunday, and then followed that up by going up to Boston University to play the Terriers up in uh, uh, up in uh, up in Boston and uh, beat them forty-seven to thirty-two. Now they got a long road trip out west this week. Um, the uh, the Knights and Coach Abe are playing two California teams. They're playing UC Davis at Davis, California, and then they're playing Pacific in Stockton, California. So that's going to be uh, two a long road trip out there. By the way, in that BU game, um, Zakia Saunders has been a real revelation. 20 points for UCF in that game to go with nine rebounds. Uh, Aliyah Gregory did not have a very good shooting game, only two of 12, but Zakia really picked her up. In uh, in that win for UCF um, at BU, so keep an eye out on uh, UCF women's basketball. There, uh, Coach Abe and her team uh, they are six and four right now. Three and two at home. Three and two away. Uh, their next home game after the uh, California road trip will be December 28th against Davidson. Uh, that will be uh, thir- that's a Thursday at 2 p.m. Thursday 2 p.m. UCF against Davidson uh, at CFE Arena. Now, the men's team, real quick, Eric Lopez. Um, So far, they seem to be weathering that injury storm that they've suffered uh, early in the year. Uh, Coming up, right right now, they've won three in a row. Uh, They beat, of course, number 24, Alabama, up in Tuscaloosa, uh, 65-62. That was back on December the 3rd, a Sunday, but... Uh, This past week, they knock off Southern seventy-six to sixty at home, and then Southeastern Louisiana sixty-one to fifty-three for the Knights. uh, So far this year, by the way, in that last game against uh, Southeastern Louisiana, um, for uh, let's see, where's the box? There it is. Uh, For UCF, Taco Fall nineteen points, eleven boards, eight of ten from the field. Not bad. A.J. Davis got into the act with 13 points and 7 rebounds. He used 6 of 10 from the field. Uh, Terrell Allen was in double figures with 12 points. Um, so they seem to be sort of weathering the B.J. Uh, Taylor-less storm so far. Uh, Taco is leading the team in scoring um, as of right now, 12.3 a game. Um, A.J. Davis right behind him at 10.6. Uh, Cesar De Jesus at uh at uh, 9. Point, uh, or excuse me he's at uh he's at 9.9 point, nine points a game. So they're getting some uh some good contributions from some of these guys uh while you know Taco had his uh Taco came back from that hip problem and while they await BJ Taylor to come back. So not a actually not a bad start for Johnny Dawkins and his team at 7 and 3, don't you think?
1: Not bad, but they need BJ Taylor back. I mean, offensively, yeah. it's it's a work in progress. It's a challenge. I watched the Louisiana game. I the mean, three games they, it, they
0: lost were all in a row. That was the West Virginia, the St. John's. Well,
1: and the St. Missouri John's
0: game. was at Disney. Uh,
1: right. I was there for the St. John's game. That was a game at Disney. It was a noon tip. I was disappointed in the fan base. They didn't really show up for that game. Like literally, they didn't show up for that game. And I thought that hurt the team for, because I think the team really thrives on the emotions and the energy that the fans can give them. And I thought they'd hurt them there. And it's tough this time of year. I mean, a lot of students are away and things like that.
0: Um, yeah, that was over you know, the, Thanksgiving weekend.
1: Right. The Louisiana game, obviously, uh, that was a tip, close game. And uh, UCF certainly offensively has struggled uh, shooting the ball. It's been inconsistent. They need a playmaker like BJ. They're winning right now with defense. Um and they got they got to go to Stetson, and they got South Carolina State at home before they start conference. You got to win those two games. The big thing you got right. to do is avoid having a bad loss on your resume prior to conference. And if UCF can win the next two games, I think they would have accomplished that. And you hope that BJ's back by the start of the conference play because I can tell you uh, this conference is loaded. Joe Lennardi. I know it's December and it's early, but he's projecting already
0: for four, Joe Lennardi.
1: He's got four teams in from the league uh, to make the NCAA's. Uh, obviously Wichita State, which he has as a number one overall seed. Uh, he's got Cincinnati in, and he's got SMU and Temple in. So what it tells you is this is a stacked league, and I think UCF, if they want to make it to the NCAA tournament, they're going to have to beat the SMUs and the Cincinnati's. And to do that, they're going to need to be as close to full strength as they can, and that includes B.J. Taylor, because my concern is, will this team have enough offense come conference play? Yeah. Uh, it that's my big question mark for this team as we get closer to conference.
0: Well, you, you hit the nail around on the head. We got our old friends from Stetson that we're heading up to the Edmonds Center to go face on a t- Tuesday, December the 19th coming up. You going to that game, by the way?
1: I think I will. Uh, we'll see. Game time decision. Got to make sure some things go uh, well. But uh, I I might uh, might try to pull yeah. that off. I, I, I went there a couple years ago. It's a fun deal. Uh, you've been there. Yep. It's a nice arena. Uh, a lot of UCF fans I know will make that trip. So it should be a fun one
0: it's uh it's a fun road trip i'm not gonna lie uh it's uh it's a it's a it's an interesting environment <laughs> to say the least uh and then that home game like you said, again, in south carolina state uh december twenty first that's a thursday at seven p m um if you can make the road trip up to Deland make sure you do it six p m tip for that game december nineteenth uh as well and then you said like you said um conference play starts uh with u c f traveling to dallas to face s m u on Wednesday uh December 27th. So you're right, they can get out of those two you get out of those two games then you're 9 and 3 heading into conference play with your only losses against uh a Big East team, a Big 12 team and uh and a uh and a Big 10 team. Or excuse me, a uh, SEC team. So SEC right. Um so yeah, you know, overall not too bad if you can get through it.
1: And they got the big thing is they gotta win at Alabama. That's a big that's win. A big win that, again, yeah. That's your resume. You gotta build a resume, and that's a good start. On the road at Alabama, a team that's been in the top twenty-five, probably could make the NC probably make the NCAA tournament from the SEC. That's a big win to start. Uh, they got that accomplished. So that was a positive. So that's why I'm saying if they can win these next two games, I actually think all things considered, with the injuries this team has had, this would have been a successful pre conference. If they can win the next two games, considering, so. considering the injury to B.J. Taylor, you obviously lose Aubrey Dawkins before the year. you got a lot of young guys on this roster. It would be a success if they can win these next two games getting ready to conference.
0: Right. And you know, especially you consider that the two of the three games that they lost were by a combined six points. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing, too, that you had to look at. So All right. So we'll be keeping an eye on that as UCF men's basketball progresses with those last uh, two games in the non-conference schedule. Uh, heading through to the end of uh, heading through into conference play. So as we wrap up here uh, on this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, Eric Lopez, what are you up to this
1: week? I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to talk to some friends and see if I could flip them, just flip them to uh, root for different teams, you know, and on my spare time. And, you know, and uh, maybe flip them from, you know, root for UCF. If they're rooting for somebody else, you know, just do some recruiting maybe uh, for the game. But otherwise, no, I'm just laying low. Uh, getting ready for the holidays. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's actually weird because it's a re- it's the first weekend I can remember where I don't have to go anywhere. There's no sporting event to right. go to. Well,
0: you got some. You got the softball stuff you've been working on, though, right? Well, I am working on that on FastPitchNews.com.
1: Uh, a lot of stuff. they considering do we get ready for the 2018 season, which is believe it or right not, around two months the corner. In. Oh yeah. So uh, that'll be. I've been working on that. But as far as going to a game. Uh, oh. There's not, there's no UCF games to go to this weekend. It's weird.
0: Yeah, hey, so yeah, it's kind of weird, but, um, but you know we'll have a couple of things coming down the stretch here, uh, like right around Christmas that we'll be going to, and uh, and before you know it, it'll be College Bowl season. So, um, keep an eye on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com as uh, myself and Eric and Brian uh, Murphy will be uh, dropping some content here on you, some knowledge here and there as we head up towards the uh, the bowl game in Atlanta. On New Year's Day, follow us on Twitter uh, and Facebook. On Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. And on Twitter, we are at UCF underscore banneret. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon, and you can follow Eric at...
1: Eric Lopez-Elo, and always bring out questions. Send questions in, we'll answer them.
0: them. We, We love it when people send in questions. We had a little bit of talk. I was actually... Going back and forth with a couple fans and Philip and your buddy Philip Rosman Reich about yeah. uh, the ESPN uh, Fox Twenty First Century Fox deal uh, and all the ESPN regionals and stuff. So that should be pretty. By the way, yeah. Send off
1: Mike Francesa. It's done. Ah, uh, if It's over. the Pope.
0: Goodness wow. me, I can't believe, man. Stuff's been changing. Yes, you know the the only thing constant in life has changed, man. Unbelievable. So. Um,
1: by the way, Nightline, we haven't forgotten. We won our matchup. We expect oh, our yeah.
0: dinner. And I'm guessing that'll be after the bowl game. But. Listen, and, and not steak and shake, Fegley. Okay. We're expecting real steaks. That's right, Trace. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> oh, by the way, make sure you follow Spokes underscore Murphy. That's our boy Brian Murphy on Twitter yep. as well. Um, he's been uh, all over UCF football and will be all over UCF basketball.
1: By the way, congratulations, the Jeff. Uh, congratulations on your Yankees uh, t- stealing Giancarlo Stanton for, like, a nickel.
0: Stealing? Uh, yeah, just taking stealing. him for a Derek nickel. Derek Jeter just gave him to us.
1: Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> great. Yeah, Destroy South Florida baseball. You know, and, and Derek Jeter just as a secret agent helping the Yankees out again. Great. Congrats. Hey, you look, and
0: Merck. you guys are in a uh, – you, you, the, the Marlins are in a, a full teardown right now. There's, it's time wow, to shock. It's time what to change the culture. Time to change the culture. That's so,
1: what we do. That's what they do down there, so, <laughs> and they wonder why nobody goes to games.
0: <laughs> you can follow us uh, as well uh, with this podcast on uh, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, keep uh, keep an eye on us throughout the month of December here, where you can follow uh, Eric Lopez as he complains about the Marlins, and uh, and me and uh, Brian as we uh, as we get ready for the bowl game in January. So. For Eric Lopez, I'm De- Oh, one more thank you once again uh, to our friend Sam Unger as well. Thanks again, Sam, yeah. for sponsoring the podcast. Our first and so far our only sponsor. We appreciate you, bud. Uh, and uh, make sure you follow uh, samsellsorlando.net uh, as well for uh, all your real estate needs here in Central Florida. So for Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
3: Catch you again next week.